0: I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh-oh. OK, hang on. He's right Is he in your yard, sir? Yeah, God, he's big. OK, what's he doing in your yard? He's looking at me.
1: somebody along the line said that the universe is not only stranger than you think it's stranger than you can think there's a statement i use if you're green you grow if you're ripe you rot so i like to stay green until i'm not here anymore just keep learning because that's what it's all about
2: hello everybody and welcome to the show you're listening to bigfoot in the citizen scientist podcast i'm your host tyler and i want to thank you for being here If you've had an encounter or story you would like to share with me or this podcast, shoot me an email. My email address is sciencemeetsbigfoot at gmail.com, or you can call the voicemail line. That number is 641-715-3900, extension 448-449. Just make sure to leave your contact information so I know who I'm contacting and how to contact you back. I'm not very active on them, but you can always look up the Bigfoot in the Citizen Scientist Podcast Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. I will always be quick to answer messages, however, so either way, I look forward to hearing from you. On today's episode, I had the privilege to get member of the Forest Fleur Podcast and Cliff Berrickman's North American Bigfoot Center team member, Connor Anderson, on. He has some interesting stories and some valuable information, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. Alright, let's get into it.
1: I'm Cliff Berrickman, owner and curator of the North American Bigfoot Center. Welcome to the shop. The founding of the North American Bigfoot Center was kind of a natural extension of my career in general. I was an elementary school teacher for 14 years before I was grabbed up by Discovery Networks and put on that TV show on Animal Planet. So after the show ended, it seemed to me like, well, I love museums, I love the subject, I love educating the public. It seems like the NABC, the North American Bigfoot Center, was a natural extension and a natural next step for my career. (laughs) One of the cool things about having a locally oriented museum here in Boring, Oregon is that we get people in the shop every single week who have claimed to see Sasquatches. And since Bigfoots are in fact real animals, most of them probably have. So what we do to kind of show people that yeah, sightings are ongoing, it still goes on. This map behind me is kind of one of the cool local exhibits that we have on display here at the North American Bigfoot Center. You see, uh, skeptics who really have a lot of explaining to do and don't know the subject very well, they often come to me and say, well how come people don't see them more? Well, how come they're not aware of the sightings that happen around locally? It might be a better question, and that's what we have on the board behind me. You see, here at the North American Bigfoot Center, we probably get between three and five sighting reports a week. Now, those aren't like those aren't sightings that happened yesterday. A lot of them happened in like back in '85 or hey, in '97. I saw this, but we get a lot of stories here in the NABC. So when someone does share a very compelling story, and either uh, Connor, Melissa, or I, the three people who work here, believe them we invite them to put a pin on the board every one of these pins back here represents a customer who has who have been in the shop here at the NABC walked through this door and shared a compelling Bigfoot sighting with us. These are not footprint finds, these are not bumps in the dark, these are not screams in the night from unidentified animals. These are clear, Class A observations of Sasquatches. And there are many, many more out there besides these. It's hard to kind of narrow down the top five questions people have asked me about Bigfoot, but some kind of do stand out. Um, the, The skeptics usually say like, how come people don't see them more? So Well, how come you're not aware of them is a real question. One, being on finding Bigfoot on Animal Planet for nine years, a lot of people come in and say, have you found them yet? Well, define find for me and we can get to the bottom of that question. Another real common question is where are the bones? If Bigfoots are real, where are the bones? Well, if you know about ecology in the forest and how they recycle things, that's a pretty easy question to answer. And we have a whole display in the back room addressing that. I think probably another real common question is like, uh, how'd you get into this? Um, And of course, my answer is I've always been a little weird but interested in science. And I guess the last thing um, that I guess people ask me is, uh, does Renee believe yet? And I said, I don't know, you got to ask her. Renee is of course my colleague on Finding Bigfoot. She is a skeptical scientist uh, on the show. She doesn't think Bigfoots are real, but she tagged along with us anyway. Good sport.
3: But whatever this thing was that started stomping around was on two legs. And it sounded like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. If there's one thing I could tell everybody who wants to do this, is just do it. You don't have to wait to go Bigfooting until you've got the right technology or the right equipment or the right gear.
2: Uh, Let's have uh, you tell uh, everyone a little bit about yourself. Uh, and what got you interested in the subject?
3: Sure. So uh, I, I've i been interested in this for as long as I have been interested in anything. Uh, the, the idea of there being some sort of large monster up in the woods, that, that's, that's a cool thing, right? And so I've always been interested in that. And uh, I started taking it actually seriously when I was probably... I don't know, seven or eight, give or take a little bit. Uh, my uncle told me this story about the time that he found footprints in fresh snow back in the 70s in Northern California. And I thought, like, oh, this is no longer just this story that exists out there. This is something that somebody that I am related to has been, you know, this guy had a Bigfoot encounter, basically. You know, he, he didn't see one, but that took it from being this idea of a cool thing to an actual cool thing that I could do something about. And so after that, I kind of got really into the subject and I, I went to the local library uh, in the small town in Colorado that I lived in at the time. And they had like two books about Bigfoot. And I read them both. And the one that I liked the most was uh, the book that Renee DeHinden worked on. I think it's called you know bigfoot sasquatch or whatever it is and i checked that out you know there was like a two week time limit or whatever and i would check that out every two weeks for like a year and a half i just i basically kept the book for like a year and a half and i just read it over and over and over again and uh it was a long time until i bought myself a copy of that book but that that was kind of what really got me into it and then um you know i I forgot about the subject for a while while i was in high school uh and then in maybe 2009 or 10, I started kind of taking it seriously again. And I realized it was something I could do something about because I was already going hiking a lot and it never occurred to me that I could, you know, maybe pay attention to a Sasquatch that could be in the area while I was hiking. So I started looking for stuff that was out of out of place in the woods and uh, it kind of all spiraled out of control from there. And uh, now here I am in Oregon doing this full time. <laughs>
2: okay well um well have you had any sightings or encounters in your entire time of of research and just being involved in this subject at all
3: i have been close a couple of times you know i I often say that i'm still waiting for that broad daylight 30 feet away or less kind of sighting uh i i think i've heard them on a couple of occasions the closest I think I've been to one is about 50 or 60 feet. This thing started stomping around on on two legs when, when I was camping solo up in Mount Hood National Forest. Terri- absolutely terrifying. It was the scariest thing I've ever heard. It was, it was so big. <laughs> but uh, I filmed a couple of them on a thermal imager back in 2018, also in Mount Hood National Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very unimpressive footage. It's, it's, it's only cool if you know the context of how it all happened uh but uh i am still waiting for like that one sighting
2: yeah yeah
3: but uh i'm gonna keep trying until i get one the golden egg yeah exactly
2: yeah 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 well that's pretty cool man so uh so i understand that you have a little uh connection to the forest floor podcast so if you wouldn't mind talking about that and how that came about
3: uh that'd be cool Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Emily, uh, she, she runs the forest floor. Uh, we started talking in probably 2018, maybe early 2018. I don't know. Uh, she did a thing on the forest floor pledge. She was like, Hey, we're looking for people who are out in the field looking for these animals to be on the mm-hmm. podcast. And I, I messaged her and it's like, Hey, I do that. I'll, I'll, I'll come talk about it for an hour. And uh, so that was the first podcast gig I ever did. And uh, that was the moment where I thought, man, that was, I like talking about this. I wonder if I could make this into a job somehow where I get to talk about Bigfoot full time. And so she's almost kind of directly responsible for me pursuing this to the extent of where I am right now. And so because of that, I, I, there's kind of this, uh, uh, what's the, what's the, What's the, I don't know what the joke is that I'm looking for. There's kind of this like, yeah, yeah. She kind of helped me figure out what I was going to do Bigfoot wise. So I'll, you know, I help her out with whatever I can. Okay. I I try to help her out. I'm I'm kind of an occasional guest host on her podcast sometimes and stuff like that.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. uh, Because, you know, I owe her a lot considering she made me realize I wanted to really try to do this as a living. And so I'll, I'll do whatever I can to help her. She's funny. Good, good, good person.
2: Yeah, and if uh, the listeners out there haven't checked it out, make sure you go check it out. It's the forest F L E U R, Fleur, Fleur. Oh,
0: the forest yeah. Fleur. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Cool no, stuff. but they, yeah, you, yeah. They have some great content. I was going to ask you uh, at the beginning of every episode—is that your 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 silty, smooth your 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 coaxing voice that we all hear?
3: That, that is me, yeah. She texted me, you know, months ago and was like, hey, we, I need a new intro. Would you record this? And I was like, yeah, sure, fine. I, I, can, I can do that. I can do that. So yeah, that, that is me. I, I am the intro to all, all of our episodes now, yeah.
2: I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
0: knew it.
3: Yeah. yeah, I did a bit of voice voice work back in the day. So every now and then it mm. it, it slips up when I, I record a voiceover somewhere, but okay.
2: not well, often. Do- do you mind talking about the floors for a little bit? Do they have like a research? I mean, what 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 are they about?
3: Uh, so it's it seems like uh, Emily is really good at gathering. Uh, like she focuses a lot on witness stories, and mm-hmm. we, we've had conversations about this, uh, where where her she kind of thinks of herself as the the starting point for new Bigfoot researchers. So she'll do a lot of work and gather a lot of information from kind of all over the place and kind of compile it into an easy to read area. Mm -hmm. And one of her favorite things is kind of thinking of out of the box theories, you know? So she does a lot of articles about like the origins of Sasquatch and what these things might be and stuff like that. And a lot of it is just like, you know, maybe consider all of our options now because there are a lot of people, myself included, we're putting all of our eggs and it's probably an ape basket. And uh, while I do think that when it comes down to it, these things are probably apes for a lot of reasons, it, it is a good idea to kind of keep our minds open to all the possibilities. Uh, that being said, these things are definitely apes, but uh, she kind of takes a, she takes a standpoint of, of making everyone aware of all the possibilities, what these things could be and kind of a an out-of the box approach to it. Which, which I think we need, uh, and she's also one of the most dedicated and enthusiastic researchers of the subject I've ever met. Because a lot of us are are old, are old, boring guys who are like, ah, I'm never going to see one. But she is just yeah, so cool. excited about the whole thing. It, it's really a breath of fresh air in the uh, yes. in the bigfooting world.
2: Yeah, yeah. I really, I really pull that from uh, listening to her talk, and you know, in her. Uh, um, for episodes and stuff and to the listeners out there if you uh go on and uh they have a few quite a few episodes with connor and connor and emily kind of have like a standing uh rivalry joke about she thinks they're interdimensional or no she thinks they're pe- they're 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 people she
3: she thinks they're human
2: yeah which yeah. is
3: incorrect but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Every, every every now and then I'll get a phone call from her about some like brilliant idea she's had about the Bigfoot thing it's like yep you' right. this is great just do it <laughs> go, go for it go for it it's really entertaining
2: that's cool so they so Emily's the main uh the main the main cheese right she's I, yep. mean, I know and I know they have a couple different. Like subsections of the forest floor, but
3: yeah, yeah, there there are a few different. So, mostly, there's a lot of uh, the forest floor is like a a company. There's a lot of like research and some field work, and uh, she makes a lot of like eco friendly, eco conscious products and really good beanies. Yeah, Uh, it's hard to talk about how much I like her beanies without it sounding like I'm trying to sell them, but oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, they're genuinely great. Uh, And then all that money that she uses goes like right back into like. Field work and like doing yes. do more of the stuff for the field. But uh, the main team of the forest floor at the moment is uh, me, Eli Watson uh, okay. from, from California, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of Levi's <laughs> last name. And <laughs> Levi, please forgive me. I think it's Makovic. Levi Makovic? Okay. It's got to
0: be
3: <laughs> Levi. They're all really cool people, Wait, absolutely. Uh, and and so there's kind of this this cross country team, basically working on this stuff from wherever we can, helping out however we are able to.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I know Emily was was talking about last time I heard she was talking about putting together a, a what is it like a, re, a beginner like research pack with like a, a full a classful bucket and hydrocal and like. Yes. A whole bunch of stuff and that's that's such a great idea. No one there's nothing out there like that right now. So
3: Right. I think it's a good idea to have like this this bag of stuff that says this is what you need to go in the field and do it right and just yep. sell it as a thing. I think I think it's it's great. It's great. Those buckets are useful. Again, I'm not trying to sell those buckets. No, right. <laughs> that is the best idea ever. I brought one on a backpacking trip that I did a couple months back, and it was mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't find a Sasquatch track. I never needed it, but it was so easy to just like pop the bucket into my backpack because it's flat. Nice. It's, it's it's very clever.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, guys, make sure you go check out Forest Floor. Uh, we're going to move on to the next topic, which is uh, I know that you come from Colorado Bigfoot. Research, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. I did I did some stuff uh under the, the Instagram handle of uh Colorado Sasquatch for a few
2: that's what it for is.
3: a year or two or something like that. Yeah. I just I just I didn't want it to be me for some reason. I wanted to, to not be like associated with it. Associated. Not because not because I don't want to be associated with the Sasquatch thing, but I feel like a lot of big footing these days is like yeah. about the researchers and i don't I, it shouldn't be like we are interested in trying to figure out what the animals are doing so anyway there's there's my tangent about that <laughs>
2: absolutely absolutely um so, well i was kind of i was curious if you wouldn't mind uh exp- expounding up on uh your uh colorado bigfoot like uh what kind of research did you do or um you know just kind of explain to the listeners what what uh colorado colorado bigfoot was about
3: is yeah about. yeah so so basically it was it was just uh I that was when I started taking it like really seriously. You know, this was probably in I honestly don't know when that was maybe. I mean, I'd been doing it like in the field for you know since 2010 or give or take when mm-hmm. I started doing it publicly in the field in maybe 2016 or early 2017. I'm not entirely sure which one it was. And uh, oh, it must have been late 2016 because I found that footprint in October. Mm. Uh, but the it was just basically a page to post the stuff that I was finding in the woods uh, because Cliff Berrickman always says not sharing your data is the same as having no data at all. And if we want yeah. to learn anything about these animals, we should, we should start sharing what we're finding and it's saying like, Hey, this thing is happening here is this happening where you are? And if it is, maybe it's a Bigfoot related thing. And if it's not, maybe it's just a weird thing about this Valley, you know? Yeah. And so I was, I had a, it was just a, a public thing to like post stuff that I was doing. And, uh, I spent a lot of time in the woods, you know, in Colorado. Cause I, I spent most of like the majority of my bigfooting history has been in Colorado. I don't think it's the best state for going out in the woods, but I think it's there, there are Sasquatch there. Uh, you know, there are like three or four good places to go. So in a sense, it's easier than here in Oregon. Because in Oregon, it's like, I don't know, throw a dart at the map and maybe get lucky. But in Colorado, there are like four or five little pockets of viable habitat, I feel like. Uh, But while I was there, I found a couple of footprints. Uh, I might have heard them a couple of times. Uh, And it was just enough to keep me thinking that there's really something to this. And so you know, uh, there are some really good places out there. And I, I had a couple of close encounters, but nothing as impressive as once I got out here to the, to the good Bigfoot habitat. But yeah. um yeah, it was uh, it was a good starting point, I would say. OK. okay. And, and Colorado Sasquatch sounded like this big official label, but it was it was just me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my sister or my dad or my buddy, whoever I could drag out in the woods with me for a while. But gotcha. mostly, mostly just me. Yeah.
2: The Colorado uh, Sasquatch uh, research, research or whatever, you know, the page was more of just yeah. like a private your privatized research.
3: Yeah. 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 Basically. And you know, but even a lot of it back then, wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I didn't really know what I was doing yet. And so it was a lot of just like walking around in the woods, kind of looking for stuff. I didn't, I didn't really Ooh. take notes. I didn't start yeah. taking notes for a couple of years. And I feel like taking notes is the most important part of any sort of field research. Yeah. So a lot of it was just uh a glorified excuse to go hiking in really good locations and okay. Sasquatch encounter. Uh, I think I'm a lot better at taking it seriously and in, in quotes now.
2: Yeah. But, yeah.
3: But yeah, it was a good starting point. I thought.
2: Okay. Well, I, I, I know you just mentioned cliff cliff Berkman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously I know, you know, the connect that's, that's just how I met you. Uh-huh. So let's go ahead and talk about the museum and uh, maybe, maybe, Without giving too much information, some of the craziest accounts you guys have had come in. That's sure.
3: Absolutely. So uh, I, I currently work at the North American Bigfoot Center out here in Oregon. Uh, Boring Oregon. Yep. Great name. And uh, we we get reports all the time. Constantly all the time. And maybe maybe once a month it's within a few days. And we'll go out and do some following up on those sightings. You know, looking for footprints or hair or any sort of actual evidence we can pull from that encounter. Uh, and a lot of the times people don't often report stories right when they happen
0: mm-hmm.
3: for whatever reason, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to get involved in the whole big thing. They don't want weirdos like me showing up to ask questions. Like I, I totally get it. Uh, but when those things do happen and when people report it fast enough, we can go out and often find stuff. Uh, there was an encounter Last year in July, where somebody saw one, and Cliff and I went out a day or two after that, and we found a footprint. We put plaster in the ground, and uh, we we might have found a few tracks out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a really good encounter recently, up in Skamania County in Washington, uh, where a gentleman was driving home from work late at night. He saw this thing right in front of his car. Uh, it yelled at him. It was awesome like that's that's the kind of sighting that everybody wants to see which is why everybody should have a dash cam just just so you know everyone should have a dash cam if you're going to drive in bigfoot territory uh yes you know there have been there have been i've heard so many bigfoot encounter stories uh one of the first things that struck me is like when i was in colorado i was kind of kind of looking to find witnesses Mm. and that's tricky you know, I know a lot of Bigfoot researchers who spend their time trying to gather witness stories and they get they feel good if they get maybe one or two a year. Right. And it's just like these people just walk into the shop and start talking about it. It, it. it goes to show, I think, more than anything, the the environment out here, just in the culture, it's so much a part of everyday life for a lot of these people that it's not that big of a deal to talk about Sasquatch. And so,
0: right.
3: you know, most people talk about it like it's just a thing that happened which I think yep. is, which is the way it should be talked about. Cause that's, they're just animals, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's really a really fascinating thing to look at how witnesses approach the subject, depending on where they are. Mm-hmm. It, it tells, it tells you a lot about people.
2: Well, you know, uh, I was, well, I was just talking about this exact thing a, a few episodes ago with someone about, uh, you know, if you go to Missouri and you walk up to some stranger in a restaurant or a bar mm-hmm. or wherever, and you start talking about Bigfoot. You're, you're gonna, everyone's gonna look at you like you just come out coming out of a mental institute or something, right? You know, uh, it, over in the Pacific Northwest, all, all you know, all the way you know, lower forty eight. It, it's for the most part, it's pretty much accepted. And I'm, and I've often wondered if that's just because there's so much more sightings, um, and the the culpability of the, you know the the possibility of, of Sasquatch existing is more feasible because so many different people within the Pacific Northwest have mm-hmm. had encounters or claim to have had encounters. You know, um, so I don't know. It's 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 definitely one of those interesting things. You know, you go you fly five hours east, what you know, wherever, uh, and it's completely it's night and day. It's crazy, man. It's yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it really depends on. I think a lot of it has to do with the culture that you grow up in. You know, if you grow up in uh, upstate New York, maybe maybe you hear about Sasquatch encounters every now and then. You know, back in the seventies, all the Whitehall stuff. Yeah, you, you don't think of it as like a an actual ongoing thing. You know, and but it, if you grow up at here, you know, Bigfoot is such a part of everyday life in the sense that maybe you don't see one every day, but. You know, you threw Bigfoot's in all the gas stations and on stickers. Yeah. It's like all over the place, and so you kind of grow up knowing that these things are out there, whether or not you take it too seriously. So, if you do see one, a lot of the time it's not as world-changing as it would have been if you had no idea these things exist. Like if you grow up in the middle of Nebraska, you never think about a Sasquatch, and then suddenly there's this giant ape thing. Like you're not right. going to know what to do with that. You know, right. so just knowing about the concept of Bigfoot, I think, makes it easier to accept their existence if somebody sees one out here.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Okay.
2: Okay. Well, uh, let's uh, – I want to cover a little bit more uh, on the uh, on the museum. So, um, I know you guys have a membership program going. Um, and everyone who's listening to this, uh, if you go to NorthAmericanBigfootCenter.com, is that their website? Yep. Uh, you can go to NorthAmericanBigfootCenter.com and check out their website. Uh, you can purchase uh, a membership and get whole like you get included in on everything we're talking about. You can get updates and all that stuff. So uh, you want to talk, you want to talk to the audience? Just, just list a couple of things about uh, what's in the back. Yeah. Some
3: examples. Yeah, sure. So in the actual museum um, we have tons of stuff, like too many things to realistically (laughs) list one podcast episode but uh there are you know we've got a little bit of history of the subject we've got dozens of footprint casts we have actual videos of sasquatch encounters uh some of which aren't public at all like they're available only at the museum uh you know we've got photographs let's see footprint casts photographs videos history a lot of like cool old finding Bigfoot stuff. We've got yeah. we've got we've got some things that are not really on display, but just hidden in the exhibit hall. Like we've got uh, an old uh, Rene de Hinden stand up ad for the old beer company that he worked for. It's yeah. signed by him. We've got like all sorts of like fun little hidden things back there. Uh, if you're interested in the subject at all, even if you don't believe in these animals, it's worth coming in because there is more evidence for their existence than most people realize. Yep. and seeing it all kind of in one place makes you think oh yeah something's going on here
0: going on yeah
2: absolutely yeah and uh i know uh you and cliff do a good job i know you guys do a little breakdown uh in the video breakdown for certain subjects uh topics uh connor connor is really good does uh video editing and all that stuff and everyone knows cliff from finding Bigfoot. he's got that tv personality so they're they're well worth it and they're extremely informative. So uh, yeah, if you, what's the subject? Uh, I know it was uh, a local uh, research. um, It was a film study, right? It was the the Clackamas River.
3: Um, The Clackamas River photograph. Yeah, yeah, there's a a whole, there is some, sometimes there's a video in the back in the theater about a photograph off the Clackamas River. Right now we're doing uh, the deep dive on the Patterson film casts from the site. Uh, but yeah, we have, we kind of rotate v- films out in the theater every couple of months. Of ne- we're going to put the, uh, the whole encounter video about the guy who saw one in Scamania County. That's going to go in there in yeah. the next couple of weeks. We're going to put that in for a month or two. Uh, yeah, it always, it's always being updated. It's always expanding. We're actually working on this huge expansion right now. We're going to put about a dozen, 12, 15, 16 new displays in the back. It's, it's, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to put in there because we might change our minds, but it's going to be awesome. We've got a million ideas, and it's going to be really very, very cool to see the new stuff in there. So, yeah,
2: yeah, and everyone listening, don't. I'd rather you not tell them because I need them to just come in and check it out.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's worth coming in to look at. You know, it costs like what eight bucks to get in the back or whatever, and it's it's, you can spend hours back there. There's so much cool stuff.
2: There really is. Uh, I, every single time I, which very often you guys see me every single time I come out of that back, my back is killing me. So from standing around so much, <laughs> right? Just, just
3: reading everything. Yeah.
2: Just reading everything. And yeah, yeah. Some everything. days I get
3: to work early and I just like walk around the back and think I've never noticed that before. Why have <laughs> yep. I not read this yet? I've worked here for a year. How did I not see that? Yeah. It's, 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 it's awesome.
2: Man. Well, okay. Well, um, out of all your years of research, what's the most unexplainable thing you found? If you can if you can think of anything?
3: Uh well, uh the most unexplainable thing that I've found. Uh that's kind of a trick question, because a lot of the stuff that would yeah. be normally unexplainable, I feel like it can be attributed to a Sasquatch. Uh in the sense
2: Yeah. That, Let me try to help you out a little bit. I'm I'm more yeah. thinking like um uh, a definitive print that you came upon or oh sure uh, or rocks or pebbles or sticks coming getting thrown into camp in the middle of nowhere yeah. or, or so, something the, like that.
3: The best piece of like when I found so I found a footprint in Colorado in October of 2016 at a location that I had picked a couple days before that even like I went there with my dad this day, right? Even he wasn't exactly sure where we were going to be going on that day. Like he knew where to drive to. And like, yeah, we're going to go here. Or we're going to go up the hill. Nobody knew I was going there. Nobody knew anybody was going to be there. I got, I found the print at like 930 and it was fresh. It had rained a bit the night before. And this thing was pressed in the soft earth. So if somebody had faked that footprint, they would have known where I was going to go off trail when to put it down, and they would have had to put it there that morning, and that the amount of they would have had tos, like there are so many things that would have had to gone just perfectly for somebody to have faked to put from like faked a footprint right there that it makes more sense that just a big animal was walking up the hill, and I happened upon it as opposed to somebody was intentionally trying to hoax that. And when I found that, I was like, oh, there's, you know. I believed in them before then, but that was like a whole. Oh yeah, this might be an actual serious thing. There might be a Sasquatch in this valley right now. Ew. Obviously, I'm going to go up the hill. Like that,
2: that was the
3: that was the first big that was the first big thing that really impressed me. You know?
2: Okay. Okay. And does, uh, it, does anything else stick out in your mind? Or if it, you weren't done expounding on that one, finish that. I cut you I mean,
3: off. No, I mean, the, the rest of that morning was really interesting, but, uh, not the, the big, the biggest thing was, uh, last July, I had just moved out here. I went camping solo at a place, uh, we call the blueberry bog. Okay. And at this point, you know, I had committed to working full-time at a Bigfoot museum. I'd spent a lot of nights in the woods. Like I, I was fairly confident these things were real, but I'd never really heard one moving around in the woods. And to be fair, I don't know for sure that's what it was because I never saw it. But whatever this thing was that started stomping around was on two legs. And it sounded like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Like it was it was massive. It was the biggest thing. And it came out of nowhere. Like I was sitting in camp just kind of killing time, waiting for it to get dark. Mm-hmm. And this thing started walking around just after dusk. And suddenly it went from being totally quiet out there to hearing branches and leaves moving just across the road from me, to hearing some sticks breaking to this thing stomping up and down, just up and down the hill from 50 feet from where I was. And my first thought was, oh, it's a deer. And then, oh, it's a bear. And then it was like, oh, bleep. This is this might be <laughs> what I'm here for. Yeah. And it was just. I, I cannot I don't know what goes through people's minds when they see one because that hearing one walk around alone was like this weird, terrifying world shift of, oh yeah, all those stories are true. This is this is a real thing. And so I don't. it was man, that was awesome. That was such a terrifying and incredible moment. and I cannot wait to get that close to one again.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what that's what I'm trying for right now. Uh, yeah. none, none of my listeners know because I'm still working on it, but I've been up in Mount Hood for the past four days and I will be there all summer long. So,
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> so that's, that's a pretty crazy, uh, and I think I'm staying kind of over near this general area where that happened at, right? Give or
3: take, yeah. Give or take, yeah. Give or take, yeah. you you yeah. are on. You are in Mount Hood National Forest. That yeah, is, yeah. The closest that I is know. that is as close <laughs> as I will get to specific details as and, to where and, that is. Yeah.
2: Me too. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. give away locations.
3: We are a we are a superstitious, overly protective bunch. Us bigfooters, yep. and yeah, yep. it's uh, yep.
2: yeah, Well, and that's that's how you preserve your spots, man.
3: Yeah, you know exactly.
2: Yeah, I, I ever, anyone who listened to this, who's listened to any prior. Episodes of mine knows that I harp on that all the time. I don't want locations given. I don't want time of day, uh, GPS, any of that stuff. Sure. just the stories. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it, yeah right. I, I think, I think it creates, curates lazy researchers. If you're just solely, you know, depending on uh, which I, there's some people who do it. Like uh, uh, me and Casey, were just talking about this the other mm-hmm. day. I, we would, we were both saying we'd love to be in cliff's position. You sit around all day and you wait for Bigfoot calls to come in, and you go and and you go to them.
0: Like, sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, that'd
3: be awesome. Yeah, there are uh, active researchers and reactive researchers, right? It, yeah, and they both have their advantages because, like, yes, and and also at the same time, there are people who are doing actual field work, and there are people who are collecting stories and compiling data, and there is there is a place for every single one of these aspects to the subjects, and we need we need to all work together a little bit better. If I'm being, if I'm being entirely honest, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, being overly protective and not sharing information with each other. And there's stuff mm-hmm. that I'm sure that people in Oklahoma know about that might be useful where I'm working and probably right. versa. And so I understand being cautious and being careful about letting your stuff you know go public until you know what's going on for real but i think there's a certain amount of sharing that we should all be working on just to help absolutely. everyone out because when it comes down to it we're just a bunch of guys like a bunch of people running around in the woods looking for something that shouldn't exist we should probably yeah. be a little a little more casual about talking to each other about it you know uh,
2: absolutely well and it's you know i i agree um it's uh like the spot i'm at right now it's off of a, it's it's off of a dirt road, which is off of a paved road, hmm. but it's still like off of the main paved road up on Mount Hood, which people go up all weekend. So this uh, one spot, I found a pretty pe- pe- peculiar uh, track. It looks like a footprint, but there's too much activity for me to be like that's not a person, right? You know, and so like just little things like that, like that's that's why I'm weird about giving people my locations. But if it's verified and you're letting researchers, verified researchers know, Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother aspect for me. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There are spots I'll never tell anybody about.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you
3: what goes on there, but I'm not going to tell you where it is. Just in case somebody gets a funny idea and decides to go try to like, put some fake tracks down someday.
2: Yeah. Or, or you know, like- even, you know, uh, even, uh, even that, cause I'm not that seasoned, that track finding, I, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm still fairly new in the field when it comes to looking at tracks and stuff. Um, and so it's a little harder for me. And I feel like a lot of other, uh, um, you know, beginning research field researchers to distinguish, uh, a footprint on an incline from a shoe print, from a bear print, from, you know, a You have to. uh, Cliff's really been teaching me about looking for, you know, uh, if it was if it was water, the water would be be bringing stuff into the Mm -hmm. footprint. You look for little cracks and crevices. Maybe there's a little water drain to where it just pools up right there and drains down into the ground somewhere. Yeah, there's so many little things that if you don't know what you're doing, you totally not even think about it. You're like, oh, that's a bigfoot cat, you know? Right. And, And in reality, it's two little pools of water with a with a little dam in the middle you know <laughs> yeah exactly
3: yeah but on that on that same token I, I think it's really good that people are looking for anything that's vaguely bigfoot footprint shaped like, yeah i see a lot of photographs that are just that are just water erosion or that are holes in the ground right. but i would rather look at a thousand holes in the ground than miss an actual bigfoot track so i love Absolutely. that people are paying attention more now it seems like and, yeah, I think and that's that's good
2: And it's like I started doing uh, and if you have it, you know, if you have it, it's perfect and it's good practice. But uh, like Cliff was always saying, when in doubt, cast it. Or, and I kind of, when in doubt, cast it out, get it done. Yep. Uh, If if you have any inkling of, I don't know, that could be, just cast
3: it. Yeah. Yeah. Plaster's cheap and the practice is worth it even if it's nothing.
0: Yep. Exactly.
3: It's a good idea to always cast anything that you think is interesting because – Again, if it's not a bigfoot print, cool. You've practiced pouring plaster in the ground. Mm-hmm. Cuz the last thing you want to do is mess up a bigfoot track because you yep, don't know how yeah. to pour plaster, you know? I know yeah. a couple of people who have made that mistake. Yeah. And that's fine. It, I've done that. I've messed stuff up like it before. Like it happens. Uh, you know, the the first bigfoot track I ever saw, the one in Colorado, I didn't put plaster in that. I took a picture of it next to my foot. I had a tape measure in my pocket, but I was too excited to get the tape measure out. Like yeah. you, know, you make mistakes when you get excited about stuff, but yep, it's worth practicing often to try to lessen the amount of mistakes you make in the field. Cause you're everyone will always make mistakes forever. Okay. Cause when you get excited about that, you know, I'm going on tangents right now and I apologize, but no, no, you know, it's, it's absolutely worth practicing. So put plaster Good. in everything you find. Yeah.
2: No, this the whole point of these podcasts are to help inform people in the in the field and people sitting on the chair interested in the subject and want to learn yeah. more about it. It's uh that's the whole point. So explain it. Get on your
0: tangents. I,
3: I, I will go on a lot of tangents all the time. That's That's it's, uh, it's
2: what happens. <laughs> um, speaking of researching, what uh, out of all the research tools that you and every, uh, every other Sasquatch researcher out there uh, implements. What, what's what's some of your favorite ones? You know, like uh, track casting, wood knocking, uh, call blasting, what, any of these if you do them. Uh, I, I, what would be uh, your top?
3: My favorite research technique. Uh, well, I mean, as far as like going in the field, go, you don't need a whole lot of really fancy technology. Like you don't need the night vision stuff. You don't need a thermal imager. Like th- those help. Those are useful, but you don't need any of those. Like right. just just get a notebook and a tape measure and maybe an audio recorder and go and and go like that's we that's all you really need. Yeah. If you're just looking for an experience and not trying to gather data, you don't need a tape measure or an audio recorder or a notebook. Just go hiking in a place where you people have seen Sasquatch before.
0: Yeah.
3: When it comes to trying to so okay, so it's really hard to out Bigfoot a Bigfoot. You know, I don't think you can go into their territory and you know, if there's one right there and you start howling, they're going to immediately think, Oh yeah, this is not a Sasquatch. Like imagine, imagine you lived at home, you know, with with a wife, and you're hanging out in the living room and somebody else from the kitchen yells, Hey, you over there? You're gonna yeah. think, yeah. That's not right. I'm not going to talk to whatever it is yelling me from the kitchen, you know? So I think going out and, and yelling and hollering and whooping is very fun, but not always the most efficient way to, to bring a Sasquatch in. It really seems like these animals are fairly intelligent and they're probably apes. And a lot of other intelligent apes are very curious.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: the, I think the best way to bring them in because that's easier than finding them is, you know, you know, draw them in by doing something weird that they've never heard or seen in the woods, you know, yep. uh, go to a campsite. Where they've been seen before and, and uh, bring a loud boom box and play four and a half hours of freeform jazz and just see what happens. <laughs> like go do something interesting and non-threatening. and th- And there's a chance that one will come in and try to see what's going on. And so I think that's almost the best way to do it because worst case scenario, you go and you have fun sitting in the woods listening to jazz. Like that's not a bad night. Right. Best case scenario, you do all of that and then you also see a Sasquatch. Yeah. Like, and so I think there's a lot to be said for going in the woods and doing something interesting that might draw their attention. Okay. And think out of the box. Yeah. Because you know? because clearly the as fun as it is, the kind of tried and true method of of going out and doing like, you know, Bigfoot research, it has not gotten us very far. Right, right. It's worth, if you, if you have an idea of something that you think might work to bring a Sasquatch in, try it. Why not? Go have fun in the woods. You know, you don't have to be this like super camoed up, stealthy, Military cosplayer to right. go bigfoot researching. Like you can just go have fun with your friends in the woods, and maybe one's going to show up anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. You no,
3: know? and so I, I think it's worth remembering that. Like anybody can be a good bigfooter.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, there's a there's a couple of uh, of ladies who come into the museum. Uh, the their sisters. The youngest one is maybe seventy five. And they get in their car and they drive for the logging roads and they get out and they just talk for a couple hours. And every now and then they hear a Sasquatch or something throws rocks at them. Like you don't have to go crazy to yeah. do this. And I think that's worth remembering because there was kind of this image of uh, Bigfoot hunting or Bigfoot hunters being this sort of like Van Helsing type job, right? Where you, you go hunt monsters in the dark, but most of it's like sitting around writing notes and eating a sandwich while you're waiting for something to happen. Absolutely. So. If there's, again, I'm going on a total tangent, but if there's one thing I could tell everybody who wants to do this is just do it. You don't have to wait to go bigfooting until you've got the right technology or the right equipment or the right gear. Just, just grab your favorite book, grab a hammock or a camping chair, go find a spot in the woods and sit and read for four hours until it's dark and see what happens.
0: Well, you
2: know, almost every single person, and then I and I say almost because I don't know every single person owns a cell phone, and almost every single cell phone has an app store or some form of audio recorder on there. Yeah. And like you could just do what I do, and every time you're out and about, people, your phone's in your pocket, your recorder should be on. <laughs> like yeah. you should as soon as you get out your car and camp, recorder's on.
3: Absolutely, and uh, if you find anything interesting, take a picture of it. Yep. If you have a tape measure, use the tape measure. You know, I, I can't hear. I can't think of how many times I've heard. Man, you should have seen that footprint I found. It's like cool. Do uh-huh. You have a picture of it? No, I don't. No. Well, did you did you <laughs> cast it? No. Well, then this is this is a piece of useless information. Like I'm glad yeah. you had that cool experience, <laughs> but as far as bringing it to the, the table for the rest of this, like that doesn't help us much. Which is fine. Some people no, I are mean, right. just for the encounters and just for their own experiences, and I, I'm totally okay with that. Yep. but if you want to go out there and take it seriously, like take a tape measure, take a yeah. camera, or just go have fun. I'm, I'm kind of selling two different messages at the same time here, <laughs> which is like, they're both viable. yeah. They're, they're, both, they're both worth thinking about. It depends on how seriously you want to take it. And that's uh, exactly it. But just know that no matter how seriously you take it, if it's just to go have fun in the woods or just to go like measure everything, you're just as likely to see a Sasquatch with either of those options, yeah. Because yeah. you can do whatever you want to do to bring one in, but if there's not one in the valley, you're not going to see a Sasquatch, right? Right.
2: So. Well, you know, it's you mean you brought up a good point about uh, you know kind of imitating co- their calls, and they're kind of like, eh, well, that dumb human, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. that's that's not that's not us, like <laughs>
3: right. Right. You know, I, I think you can trick them sometimes. You know, like wood knocks. I think it's way easier to fool them with wood knocks than it is with vocalizations. Mm -hmm. And and vocalizations will work if they're far enough away to only hear part of it, right? I think I think that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
3: But you know, imagine imagine being in the woods and looking over and seeing a bear, and the bear looks at you and goes, "Hi, I'm also human." You're gonna say, "Hey, that's that's weird. I should leave." You know. So I yep. think you gotta know, approach that the right way, I think.
2: Yeah. Well, no, and it, uh what as soon as you said that it dawned on me. Um, and my research the my research spot that I'm at now, I've been learning, even just you know, this few days, I've been learning a lot. Like I'm learning that I need to keep my mouth shut when I hear something. Like uh the the other night, me and two other people distinctly heard apish whoops in the Pacific Northwest Mountain Hood National Forest. Yeah. And instead of Getting my audio recorder out instantly, and because I was just, we had just laid down to go to bed. Mm-hmm. I was in my tent, and they were in theirs. And uh, instead of getting my audio recorder out and just being quiet and letting it go, what did I do? Whoop. Right back. I see as loud as I could do it, and it just stopped. Yeah, you got you got silent for the rest of the night.
3: Yeah, uh, I think there there is some evidence to show that once they figure out that you're to them, yeah, they stop right. Yeah. Uh, and that, but that's even a tricky thing to do without whooping back. Like when you hear something in the woods, that sounds like a Bigfoot. Your first reactions go, Oh, there's, did you hear that? There's a, there, that was one. Yeah. Ah. But yeah. meanwhile, you're talking over the one recording you have of a Sasquatch. So Absolutely. again, I, I do that too. It's like when something cool happens, your reaction is to be, Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to talk about how cool that is. And it is really hard to think out of the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, or you have to think nobody say anything just like everyone shut up while this thing keeps yelling yeah because it might not yell ever again and so that's right. it's always tricky doing not getting excited about the one thing you're excited about is really yeah, difficult. Some days. it's
2: really hard <laughs> yeah and i found it it was just that it was an instinct thing too mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know it was just like i heard it and i wanted to do a response back instantly so i did it and it was as soon as i it got silent I was like, it, that's it clicked. I was like, well, so I probably shouldn't have done that. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was a
3: mistake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, like last week, maybe maybe last week, uh, I was out with Cliff and uh, Keith and Nico, a couple of the guys that we go out with often. Mm-hmm. And we split up into two teams and our, our radios had died. So we couldn't talk back and forth. And we were out in the middle of nowhere at this place we call Easter Island the fog had set in, it was all spooky and mysterious and yeah. Cliff started whooping. And every part of me was like, I need to whoop back to this. But I, I knew that if I didn't radio him back and say, Hey, I'm whooping in an hour and a half, when we met up, we'd have to keep track of, let's see, I responded on the first and third time you whooped, but not the fifth or sixth. and it, it would, yeah. you know, So you yeah. have to kind of restrain yourself from just yelling into the woods sometimes which is hard because it's very fun to go into the woods and just start yelling because absolutely uh, it's it's always it's always a blast
0: absolutely
2: (laughs) (laughs) okay well um uh what are your thoughts on infrasound if you believe uh in the possibility of sasquatch having that capability
3: yeah i mean i i don't put it past them um a lot of other large mammals can use infrasound you know Uh Uh, no primates that we know of can do this. It's not like a, a documented ape behavior really, but they're big mammals. They've got big lungs. It wouldn't surprise me if they could do something on the infrasound scale,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
3: because people do often report these feelings that line up very well with what happens to humans when they're affected by infrasound. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe they can I'm, I'm very open to that possibility. Uh, I have had one occasion where I think I was hit by that. Um, it was bizarre. It was like uh, well, may, okay. I take that back. Maybe two occasions. Thinking about it, one was one was back in 2011. I was on a, a road trip, and we were camping on the Olympic Peninsula. I drove 35 minutes off the main road to find a spot in the middle of nowhere. I wasn't thinking about Sasquatch. I just want to go camping in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I was kind of thinking about Sasquatch, but like not actively right then. Right. And I was so excited to go out here and camp. And we found the spot in the middle of the woods and I got out of the car and I was looking around. I was like, this is where I'm going to camp. It's going to be great. And then immediately I thought I shouldn't be here. We should go. So I got back in the car and we drove away. And I didn't think about that for 10 years. Yeah. And then last year, I was talking with Cliff about Infrasound and he mentioned the time where he was in Bluff Creek and he was very excited about camping somewhere. And then suddenly he thought to himself, oh, I need to leave. I shouldn't be here right now. And I was like, oh, that's like that time that I had that thing. And that, that was kind of weird. But uh, yeah. the one time that was even more bizarre than that was uh, the same night that I filmed the ones on the thermal imager. I was walking down this logging road in the dark which is a, which is a thing that I just do for fun. So like, I'm used to walking <laughs> in the dark, like that doesn't scare me. But I it was like, I crossed this wall. Um, I was, uh, there was uh, a girl named Ariel that I was walking out there with that night or we kind of you know, a big group of people, not big group of people, but we were in teams. And so I was with Ariel and we hit this point and I was like, Oh, this is, this is weird. Something's going on here. And she's like, yeah, this is a little bit spooky. And we kind of thought, all right, you know, mountain lines can do, like, make you feel weird. So we're just going to be, like, be calm and, like, casually back out of the area. Yeah. And then we hit this certain point, and it was like somebody turned off a light switch. And it was like, oh, I feel fine now. And it was it was just such a, a weird feeling to go from zero to 100 and then right back to zero with, like, no, no buildup at all. It was like, everything's yeah. fine. I'm absolutely terrified. Back to everything's totally fine. Yeah, and, and Ariel mentioned that she felt like her lungs were vibrating at one point, which Whoa. to me implies really low frequency sounds because you feel them more than you can hear them, and every it all it affects everyone a little bit differently. And so I kind of thought that's a little interesting. And huh. there seemed to have been Sasquatch on that road that evening. So maybe, maybe they can use infrasound. You maybe. know, we're, we're not going to know for sure for a while, but uh, right. I'm very open to the possibility of infrasound.
2: Well, and you know, my, my my sighting encounter, how I mm. how I how I felt weird and stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm 50 50 on that man because for a long time I I I thought I had been zapped and that I had saw the, an an interdimensional thing move, but right. after after you know deep diving into it and looking into it and and learning what kind of crazy stuff your mind can make you see in high tension situations. Yeah. I can, I'm not fully sold on that end anymore. So, uh, you
3: know, yeah. yeah. I, I think uh, a lot of these like magical aspects to Sasquatch have very boring biological scientific explanations. Like the one that I ran into uh, up on Mount hood, it, 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 I didn't hear it. And then suddenly yeah. it was there. And yep. then, and then also suddenly it just stopped moving. So I, like I totally understand why people think that these things can be magical, like right. they can hop in and out of existence right. Because they're really stealthy. And when you're looking for a Sasquatch, you're thinking, I'm going to look up here because yep. they're big when in reality they can just drop to the ground and then they're gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so, and, and even kind of going on a tangent again, like when people find a single footprint in the woods and they think these things can teleport because there's only one footprint. I think that says more about that person's tracking abilities than it does than the Sasquatch's magic abilities, right? Like, right.
0: Yeah, they don't
3: just pop in, leave a track, and disappear. No, people are just very bad at tracking animals a lot of the time. Yes, Uh, so I do think that a lot of their magical powers are very science based. We just are thinking about it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You know,
2: yeah, I've heard a lot of people argue though. You know, like, well, what about those tracks that you find in the snow that go in the middle of a field and then they just dis, then they just, and that's a good point. But what a lot of people don't realize is how well, like monkeys, are good at backtracking on their own on, on their own tracks and knowing what substrate to stay away from from keeping tracks off the ground.
3: Like absolutely, um, uh, there's a really good story where Jeff Meldrum was studying chimpanzee tracks, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, ch- the the trainer had the chimpanzee walk across the sand, okay. and then put the chimp back in the cage because chimps are okay. terrifying. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Meldrum would come out and look at the footprints, take notes about them, take pictures. Uh, they'd clear the tracks off and he'd go back into his little viewing room, right. Yep. They brought the chimp out the next time. It took a few steps into the sand, it looked at its feet, back at Dr. Meldrum, back at its feet, and then erased its own footprints in the sand. Like apes yeah. are Apes are clever things. And so the idea that a Sasquatch would have an idea of backtracking its own footprints to, for whatever reason, whether it's to to make it harder to follow them or what, that, that totally makes sense to me.
2: Well, it makes sense to me. I mean, most predators that we know, like bears do it, you know, uh, wild cats do it. It's, it's, you know, it, it, it's documented a lot of wildlife that we know of does that to, it's you know, wolf packs will. Uh, I, I think that's correct. Wolf packs will usually stay in like a single file line when they're moving, uh,
3: yeah, or they, on, or, they always move edge. single file to hide their numbers. Oh, and so, yep, that's right. Exactly raiders it. do that too. Yes, yes, it's, Yeah, it's a Star Wars joke there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, uh, I don't know, it's just it's super it's interesting to me. Um, but uh, okay, let's see. Uh, okay. So I'm, uh, my next question for you is your recommendations for Sasquatch literature for both the season and the fresh, uh, researchers and, uh, interesters people are okay. interested in the subject. Yeah. So what, what books would you recommend? What media, um, I'm uh, constantly talking about Dr. Jeff Meldrum's uh, yeah. Uh, it, the book and the movie, the movie is yeah. awesome. If you're not a big reader. Yeah. Um, the 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 book is put into simplistic form to where any anyone can understand what he's what he's saying. So
3: absolutely, that that is yes. always my my w- number one recommendation is Meldrum's book. Read Meldrum's I I try to read that book like once a year. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just looking at my bookshelf. Uh, it's behind behind the camera here, and I Meldrum's book isn't there because it's it's on my in my bedroom. Like, uh. right? <laughs> I, I've been reading that one a lot lately. Again, yeah. Uh, that one's great. I really like uh, Dr. Bindernoggle's books. Yep. Those, those are both... Sas, actually, uh, uh, the Discovery of the Sasquatch. Discovery, and North yep. America's Crate Ape, the yep. Sasquatch. Those are both really good. And Meldrum's is science
2: meets Sasquatch, right? Uh, Legend
3: meets science. Legend meets is, science. Is, is That's, what um, That's what it is. That's what it is. Those are really good. If you're into the... If you like the stories, uh, John Green's stuff is always a good place to start for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have always been... Like I I like I like witness stories, but I always they only get you so far, right? I'm more of a Mm -hmm. science nerd, Uh, so I I like the science stuff. I I like Meldrum's books. I like Ben Raugel stuff. Um, I really like uh, the uh, what is it called? The this is this is awful. What is that book called? The one. I was going to say you can cut this out, but it's also funny that I don't know what I'm talking about. It's
0: uh,
3: <laughs> Giants, Cannibals, and Monsters. Mon- oh. Kathy uh, Strain's book.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm looking at it. I
3: just can't read yeah. the title from here. That one's really cool. I, I love the history in that book. Like, there's so much
1: fun okay. information
3: in a lot of that. Uh, um, but if you had to pick one, I, I would go with Legend Meets Science. I'd go with Dr. Meldrum's book and start start there.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
3: I would also entirely avoid YouTube. And I would also, yes. for the most part, not watch any documentaries on TV because those are documentaries and big old air quotes. Uh, yeah. I, I would start with Meldrum's book. Okay. Unless you're in Oregon and you want to get really, really specific about a very small length of road in the Mount Hood National Forest. In uh, which case, read Joe Bielart's book, The Oregon Bigfoot Highway. which For is,
2: people who are looking at this on my... Uh, on my YouTube channel, oh, it's gonna—it's—it's it's gonna blur. There yep, you go.
3: That one, that one right there, that one's also very good.
2: And actually, I was just told he's writing and progress in the pro- in progress of writing another one.
3: Yes, number number two. two so people I'm, keep your I'm eyes out. That you may not have talked him into doing that. So we'll.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, I was out with David from Clackamas Sasquatch mm-hmm. research, and uh, I didn't realize he like got to hang out with Joe and like sit down and eat dinner with him and all this other cool stuff. Oh and, yeah.
3: Joe's Joe's the best.
2: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I highly suggest that book. I actually, uh, emailed him trying to do, I think I told you trying to, trying to read sections out of this, out of this book for my podcast. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they're busy and you know, then I'm and I didn't realize, but, uh, uh, cause I needed copy. It's copyrighted. So I needed mm-hmm. permission. Right. And I, I haven't heard anything back. So, so yeah. waiting on that. He's, he's a busy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Well, I know you talked about it earlier, but I was curious if you wouldn't, uh, uh, wouldn't worry or uh, wouldn't mind expounding on it a little bit. What do you believe Sasquatch is? What, what do you think Sasquatch is?
3: Sure. Uh, so I am a in, okay. Basic terms they're living flesh and blood animals to start with, obviously, you know, I don't see any evidence that these things are necessarily paranormal in any way or supernatural. Uh, They're paranormal in the sense that they're, they're above our idea of normal. Like they can run Mm -hmm. faster than we can. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think they're just probably big apes, right? I kind of tend to think that that's the easiest way to explain what they probably are. If you want to get technical, They're probably a form of relict hominid that split off between chimpanzees and philanthropists on the like family tree. But like, we're not going to know exactly where they fit into there for maybe ever, you know, until we have one and we can do the actual full genetics on the thing and figure out where they branched off from us. Uh, But I, I would say they are firmly, I mean, obviously they're apes because everything from gimmicks to humans, those are all, we're, we're all apes, you know? So I think they fall in that ape family somewhere. It's also a, calling them apes is a really good shorthand because when somebody comes in and they say like, oh, I don't understand how these things work. How could something like this exist? You just say, oh, they're like big gorillas. They're like apes. And they go, oh, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I understand yeah. where to put that in the folder. You know. So I think calling them apes makes sense in that in that term as well. But I, I, I'm kind of sticking to that. They're probably some sort of large bipedal primate
0: Mm
3: -hmm. uh, in the ape family okay but i'm open to being wrong if anybody can prove me wrong i would love to see that i just want to figure out what's going on with these things but right now all the evidence that i have seen and collected points to apes
2: to be wrong means to learn something new
3: exactly there is no failure in this only only learning that's right that's right
2: well, I wanted to thank you for coming on, Connor. I know we took up much of your time already. <laughs> oh, it's okay.
3: It was great. Uh, it's always a blast talking with you, man. Yeah, anytime.
2: Yeah. Um, so, do you? I know uh, the museum uh, that you guys take uh, encounter reports and sighting and sighting reports and stuff. Um, you guys only take local stuff, or do you take? I mean, obviously, you guys aren't going to leave the shop midday to go drive the. You know. Middle of Washington, six hours away, but I mean, or we may, maybe you will if there are good enough tracks <laughs> in the
3: ground. Yeah, we'll totally do that. Uh, we we focus on the local stuff because it's you know it's it's where we live. It's, it's kind of like there are there are Sasquatch in New York, right? But, yeah, yes. but what are we going to do about that right now? We'll take yeah. reports from New York. We know people who work New York that we can get yeah. that information to. Uh, so we'll take reports from really anywhere in the country, but we're most interested in what's going on with the Sasquatch right here where we live, mm-hmm. and. Okay. If you or any of your friends have a sighting report, let us know by stopping in at the NABC or sending us an email at NorthAmericanBigfootCenter at gmail.com.
2: You beat me to my question.
0: I love, it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
3: There you go. I'm very bad at plugging the museum, but whenever I can, I try to do that.
2: Oh, yeah. And uh, I know I've been talking about it for some some months now. And, and uh, I need to just bite the bullet and get it edited. And I took a little, that little tiny GoPro video of the museum. I was going to do a little excer- excerpt of it, um, you know, probably, yet. just probably some like 32nd minute long, you know, sure. just a little clip sure. of it. Um, not trying to give too much stuff away between the stuff that you kind of described and people, mm-hmm. once it gets released, how that I've heard, heard this, they can kind of link those, you know, pictures to what you were saying sure. a little bit. And, and, uh, and if anything, it'll be an incentive for them to to get into the shot. So well, yeah, you yeah,
3: know. you know, we always encourage photography in there because, I mean, when it comes down to it, if you wanted to, you could see pictures of most of the footprint casts in the museum in Meldrum's book or in Bitterdogle's book. Yeah, seeing them in person is a is a whole different thing.
2: It's a whole it's different. a whole different thing. Yeah, you, you really get an
3: idea of how the feet work when you see a footprint cast in person, as opposed to the one shot, you know, on page 97 of Meldrum's book. Yep. Yep. Or, or, you know, whatever. I don't know what's on page 97 of Meldrum's book.
2: Right, <laughs> right, right. So, so but, yeah. enter, enter page number.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. 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 Seeing them in person is a whole different thing. So we always encourage photographs in there. Wait. Yeah.
2: Well, did you want to, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to, to, to plug to talk about? To... Not, uh, not really. I mean,
3: you know, uh, I, I'm a, big fan of uh, the museum. And if, if I didn't work there, I would visit there all the time. Yeah. So I think, you know, I always tell people to go check it out, not as an employee trying to sell them on spending money there. Like, mm-hmm. who cares? The information there alone, it, it's so cool. And this is like yeah. one Bigfoot nerd to another, go check out the museum. It's a thousand yeah. percent worth it. Absolutely. If, if you do stop in, uh, you know, say hi. Say hi to me. I mean, I know you, like, I, yep, right. yep. <laughs> the, ge- the general audience, here, if, you, if you come in yes. and say hi to me, I'll, I'll be there.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. make sure, make sure you let Connor know that I sent you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah please do. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll charge you double.
2: That's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I realized I skipped over a question before yeah, we wrap hear. this up. Let's hear. How did, how did you land the job with Mr. Cliff Barrick men? Uh, how, how, how did you get that job?
3: He, so we had uh, spent some time in the woods together before then. I went on a couple expeditions with him out here in Oregon. Uh, we got along pretty well, kind of right off the bat. Uh, turns out we have a lot more in common than just Bigfoot. We're both nerds. Uh, we're both jazz musicians. We both play D&D. We're big fans of Star Wars. So we got along really well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a couple of years went by and we were talking one day. I, I don't remember exactly how it happened, to be honest with you, but the gist of it was he realized he couldn't just hire some kid from, you know, downtown Sandy to run the shop. He needed, like, an actual Bigfoot guy, and uh, I, you know, I've been doing this for, like, a decade at that point or whatever, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to come run the museum with him, and I said, well, obviously I'm going to do that, so I yeah. I, I packed <laughs> up everything, and uh, all everything in the universe kind of lined up and I had an opportunity to to basically pick up my entire life and move across the country. And so I did that. And, uh, it was the best decision I've ever made.
2: Man, that's so cool. I'm so, I'm so jealous. I I got
3: lucky. I had a good opportunity and I got lucky. That's, that's all it is. You
2: know? Sorry, everybody. If you can hear that, my dog's barking in the background.
3: (laughs) How how dare you?
2: I know. (laughs) Well, Connor, I wanted to thank you for coming on, buddy. It was uh, finally—what is it, Like almost half a year later, we've t- been talking about this. Like yeah, man. <laughs> anytime,
3: like, like I said, it's always enjoyable to talk to you, man. And uh, any anytime, let me know. I'll, I'll come hang out. We absolutely.
2: Well, thanks for coming on again, Connor. And people, make sure you go to North American Bigfoot
1: uh-huh.
2: and uh, check out just check out their website. Uh, uh, subscribe and check out Forest Floor Fleur. Fluor what f-l-e-u-r not like f-l-o-o-r Yep, yeah. that's right yeah. Yeah. like flower yeah and uh they've got great content and you can listen to connor's soothing voice in the beginning of every episode oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well buddy uh thank you for coming on again for the 30th time yeah. <laughs> <And> you're, uh... <laughs>
3: you're, you're still welcome
2: yeah. <laughs> all right brother one well, enjoy your night
3: you too man i'll talk to you later all thanks buddy. again
2: For you today. I highly recommend checking out Cliff Berkman's North American Bigfoot Center to look at their awesome gift shop and fantastic museum. Or if you're too far away, you can check their showings, findings, and information out at their website at northamericanbigfootcenter.com. If you haven't checked it out already, you're truly missing out on great information. Well, as you heard in the episode, I am working on putting together a several-part field research episode in a newly discovered hotspot in the Mount Hood National Forest. So if you're interested, keep your eyes and ears peeled for those. Well, to conclude this episode, I want to thank Connor for taking the time out of his busy schedule to visit with us. I've been visiting him at the museum for the past year or so, give or take, and have learned more from him and Cliff than I have in the past three years of listening to any sort of Sasquatch-related podcasts, though there are plenty of awesome ones out there. Connor has become a friend and an ally in the Sasquatch research world, well, Cliff too, and it's because of Connor and Cliff's recommendations, information, and educated opinions why I think outside of the box, engage scientific method whenever researching, and am able to strictly and skeptically analyze any of my findings. So thank you again, buddy. And with that, I must depart. But before that, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share, rate, and review. Leaving those five stars does great things, but leaving positive and constructive criticism to reviews helps me see what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and lets others know about the show. So make sure to leave those reviews. Well, as I always say before I let you go, remember, love yourself, love others, Be kind, be safe, and until next time.